welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season, and each week, different guests from the world of college football join me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. As we approach the semifinal games for the college football playoff, we've got a special episode of Bowl Season Stories this week. Today, we welcome ACC Network Analyst and former University of Georgia and University of Miami head coach Mark Richt. As you know, the number three Georgia Bulldogs will play the number two Michigan Wolverines in the Orange Bowl this Friday, December 31st at 7.30 p.m. We'll also visit with a member of the Cotton Bowl Board of Directors, Dan Novikov, who also played in that game as a player for Notre Dame in the early 70s. The Cotton Bowl hosts the number one Alabama Crimson Tide and number four Cincinnati Bearcats Cats at 3.30 Eastern time on New Year's Eve. We will also visit with Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl Executive Director, Missy Setters. Today's show is brought to you by Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Also joining me as she does each week is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, we're right in the middle of bowl season right now. We've had some exciting games played already, a lot of upsets, uh, but some really big ones coming up. This is our time of year right now. And as we like to say, it's a celebration of college football right now. It's amazing. You know, I'm doing some work with the Cotton Bowl, Nick, and, and um, down there yesterday, the, everybody's in front of the TVs, one after the other after the other. Yesterday was a big day for games. And um, what, what is your thought on bowl season so far? Well, like I said, I, I, I think every bowl game's great, so I might, might not be the best person to ask, but we've had some exciting games, some teams that have had some great years that have capped it off with a with an exclamation point some teams that that were upset in bowl games and maybe they took their opponent too lightly we've seen some sellouts early on but we're just kicking it into high gear right now yeah and as we approach semifinal week i'm really excited about the guests we have i want to go ahead and bring in uh, coach mark rick did you mention university of miami and university of georgia it's got a big game coming up right uh, as we get to the end of this week coach rick thanks for joining us also a, an analyst for the ACC Network. So he's traveling and getting ready to uh, do some work from the Peach Bowl. Right, uh, in Atlanta in the hotel room, <laughs> trying to make sure I could get everything set for this show and excited to be on the show. Looking forward to this conversation. Well, Ke Coach, thanks so much for joining us. You've participated in bowl games most of your life, really, uh, as the quarterback at Miami from 1979 to 82, as an assistant coach at Florida State then obviously as head coach at Georgia and Miami. So you're no stranger to what these postseason experiences are like for the student athletes and really everyone involved. Tell us, what do bowl games mean to football programs and the people who participate in them? Right. I still think they're a great reward. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, miss, the, miss, miss the fact that these guys really do enjoy having the experiences that the bowl committees put together for everyone. Uh, they have things that are set up for the players themselves, obviously, the coaches and their wives and the, and the coaches' kids, too. That's a big deal. I mean, we as coaches work so hard, uh, and uh, a lot of times we don't see our families as much as we probably should. And I know, I know for my family, my daughter in particular, when, uh, when we won the sixth game of the year, it didn't matter what time. We could be 6-0 and or 6-5, and five, but once we won game number six, she would celebrate because she – she knew we were going to a bowl, and uh, so it meant a lot to the coaches' uh, children as well. So this podcast, as you know, is called Bowl Season Stories, so we'd love to hear some. Uh, what personal bowl game experiences 
for you over the years stand out when you look back at your coaching career and what were some of the most memorable ones? Well, you know, for the coaches, it's, it's different. The bowl experience for the player is to, you know, split the day in half, you know, work half the day and play half the day, you know, for the coaches, families, they do all the fun stuff. You know, you go out to Arizona for a bowl and they go to the grand Canyon. <laughs> the coaches are back banging out game plans and watching film and all that. So, you know, for me as a coach, it was more like if we won the game, it was a good bowl. If we lost the game, it was not a good bowl. But uh, some of the great experiences, you know, going back to the 1993 season, Coach Bound's first national championship with Charlie Ward as the Heisman Trophy quarterback that played against uh, Nebraska that year was a, a huge game. And, you know, it was, it was a game actually where we had gotten positioned for a field goal late in the game and made the field goal to look, you know, basically win the game. We make the kick, but I, as the offensive coordinator, did I didn't manage the clock quite as well as I should. So there's, a, there's like a few ticks left on the clock, and Nebraska got the ball, completed one ball, and had a shot at a long field goal to win the national championship. And by the grace of God, for me anyway, uh, he missed the kick, and so that was big. 99 season, we went undefeated with Coach Bowden, uh, with Chris Winky, and uh, had a chance to play Michael Vick in the Sugar Bowl. That was a huge day as well. And then there's one at Georgia, you know, my year two, uh, 2002 season, we played in the Sugar Bowl against Florida State, against Coach Bowden. So it was kind of a weird deal. But uh, there's a moment in that game where we would, you know, David Green was our starting quarterback. He was our guy the whole season. But we had DJ Shockley as a backup, and we would always get him in the game. And we got him in the game in the first half, and he threw a pick. And, uh, and he was thinking, that's the end of my series. You know, it's the end of my game day experience. But, uh, you know, I had some, so much belief in him and didn't want his confidence to get shaken. We put him back in the game the next series, and he threw a touchdown pass, which propelled us into a victory. So it was, it was a big moment for shock and a big moment for me as a head coach going against my head coach, Bobby Bowden. So you, you kind of – my next question, you, you gave me one example just there at the end. Uh, bowl games are kind of known for, for big moments. People seem to remember uh, big plays, uh, uh, unlikely heroes in bowl games, maybe more so than regular season. W who are some of your players who stepped up their game when it came to bowl season? Are any players that impressed you uh, the most right. with their, with their uh, demeanor and their attitude and their approach towards bowl games? Well, the, the 99 season at Florida State, when we were playing, you know, Michael Vick, and Virginia Tech, who was undefeated. The winner of that game was going to be a national champion. And the year prior, we played Tennessee for the national championship. And Peter Warwick was our star receiver. And I got the ball to him one time as the offensive coordinator. And uh, he had such a bad taste in his mouth of that loss and, and his performance that he decided to come back for his senior year and take another shot at it. And sure enough, his senior year, we – make it to the national championship game against Michael Vick in that, in that Sugar Bowl game. And Peter Warwick had – I think he had three touchdown catches. He had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, you know, the play, the, t the uh, fans were chanting his name at the end of the game. and We threw it to him one last time, and he made an acrobatic catch for a touchdown to ice the game. So, you know, Peter Warwick had one of the greatest bowl performances that I've been around. And then, you know, as far as guys with good demeanor – and approach to the game, I would say every quarterback I ever coached that uh, played in these bowls games, because, you know, 
their teammates are mostly having a good time. But if you're the quarterback, you got to treat it like a coach treats it as far as your preparation and uh, taking extra time watching tape and doing the things you got to do to lead your team. So those quarterbacks I have great admiration for how they approach the game and how they sacrifice some of the fun to make sure they're ready. You mentioned earlier that bowl experiences for coaches are a lot different than for players. So take us back when you were quarterback at the University of Miami, you got a chance to go to the 81 <laughs> Peach Bowl. What do you remember about that trip? Your first, your first time doing anything is always the most impressionable, right? Uh, but right. as a student athlete, as you mentioned, so much different than, than as a coach. How much fun was that for you in the entire team? Right. Any, 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 any fun stories from that trip? Well, first of all, you know, the University of Miami at that time wasn't great. Uh, you know, I finished in, in 82, and the 83 was the first national championship season under Howard Schnellenberger. So we were kind of building a program. Uh, and we were, we were getting an opportunity to play in the bowl for the first time. And it seemed like forever in Miami. So, you know, getting a chance to go to Atlanta was great. I'll be honest with you. I've got no recollection of who we played that day. <laughs> uh, I just remember the fun we had as players. And uh, I would certainly say that uh, I can't say on the air right now some of the fun things we did. Because <laughs> if Coach Snellenberger was still around, need to found a way to set home but uh we had a good time at the bowl for sure yeah some of the best stories are the ones that uh, need to be left unsaid coach right <laughs> I, I, i'm sure i'm sure you're i'm sure your players uh have some of those as well that you'd rather not hear no question well you know that was a part of whether a bowl was good or not as a coach if you won the game and if you didn't have to send anybody home so <laughs> you know you always had to try to manage those things and when you go to you know, probably one bowl we went to more than any place at Florida State and Georgia combined was the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, trying to keep everybody uh, behaving uh, down there in the uh, French Quarter was it was always a challenge for us. I bet. Last question for you, Coach. I want to make sure I ask you about your book, uh, Make the Call, Game Day Wisdom for Life's Defining Moments. What, what were your main goals of the book and how does it feel to be a published author? Well, it feels great. And, uh, you know, make the calls is a little bit of a play on words. If you're a play caller in a game, every 40 seconds, you got to make a call. And certainly as a head coach throughout the games, you're making calls. And, uh, you know, when it comes to discipline, whatever it is. So making calls are basically making decisions in life. And so the book's about life decisions, uh, life decisions, faith decisions, decisions that I made in coaching there's a lot of football stories that talk about certain plays or certain games uh, that the fans, I think, would love to hear. But before they're finished with the book, I challenge the reader to make the most important call of all, and that's to uh, you know choose Christ as our Lord and Savior and get right with Jesus. So it's a great book, and uh, I'm, I'm really proud of how, how it came out. Well, Coach, thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining us. I, I've always admired uh, you in, in your career, it, really an unbelievable career. Looks like you're having a lot of fun on the ACC network now. So good luck during bowl season. And thanks again. All right, Nick. Thank you very much. We'll be right back after a short break with former Notre Dame offensive lineman and Cotton Bowl board member, Dan Novikov. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season it's going to rain refunds, lots of refunds. File for less and get more with TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. 
Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. Dan Novikov, former player for the Notre Dame Irish, as well as the former chairman and current executive member of the Cotton Bowl, joins us now. Dan, so great to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Angela. And it's the fighting Irish, by the way. We don't oh, want to just be Irish. Thank you for the correction, because I'm not in the know like that. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> fighting Irish. I won't mess it up again. Well, maybe not evident last week, but anyway, most of the time fighting Irish. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as you know, and, and, and as our, the title of our podcast would imply, Bowl Season Stories, we talk to former players in bowl games about their experiences, not just playing in the game, but, but in the entire bowl week and the, and the time you spent with your teammates there. Now, you're uh, an interesting guy to, to this topic. You've you played in two bowl games, two Cotton Bowls uh, uh, on the offensive line at Notre Dame in 1970-71. You were a graduate, graduate assistant for your former coach, Eric Parsegian, Hall of Famer, uh, when you went to the Orange Bowl. Uh, and then you've been working with the Cotton Bowl for years, so you've, you've seen it as a player, you've seen it as a coach, and you've seen uh, you know the student-athletes uh, um, enjoy these bowl experiences uh, uh, being a part of running the Cotton Bowl. What tell us? Tell us, you know, how those experiences have, uh, you know, what you've learned from from bowl games, and and uh, share some stories with us. Uh, sure, I think you know from the Notre Dame perspective, um, starting there uh, as a player, uh, Notre Dame had not gone to a bowl game for forty five years. So when we were recruited, we weren't going to be part of the the bowl scene, and. Um, my, our sophomore year, we started hearing these rumors that we were considering going to a bowl, and uh, and it came to fruition uh, that uh, Notre Dame changed its policy. Father Hesburgh changed the policy, and allowed us to participate in in the bowl uh, bowl game. And uh, that bowl game happened to be um, the Cotton Bowl. Uh, it you know, could have been any, but it was the Cotton Bowl against the University of Texas, who I believe was number one at the time, uh, and they were, they were a pretty hot team. So um, it fit all the, the parameters. One of the parameters that if we were going to go to a bowl, we had to go to a bowl, and it was going to make a difference uh, in terms of the national championship uh, scene. So we wanted to move up our ranking, perhaps play into being the national champion, and uh, so that was the, um, that's, that's what came about. Uh, we got the vote on whether we went or didn't go, and it was an overwhelming vote to go. And uh, we, I mean, it was a buzz, as you can imagine, Notre Dame never going to a bowl game and you're going, and uh, it created a, a national stir. And uh, so we came to, to the Cotton Bowl, and of course, uh, as the Cotton Bowl does it with the hospitality, it was just a, great, great week but with a chance to play uh, the number one team in the country. So it was a, it was a very special experience. For me personally, um, that was my first uh, start in a college game would be the Cotton Bowl against the number one team. So there were a lot of emotion for me in that game. And I was also not playing my normal position center, but I was going to play left tackle because we had an injury to our left tackle. So it was really... Um, just a special time for, for our team and, and for me personally. Tell us about that bowl week uh, a little bit. You know, you said that you, uh, you know, it was a, a reward for a, a great season that was unexpected, uh, being Notre Dame's first bowl game ever. You show up in Dallas and 
you have just a great week of activities planned for you. Did, did you and your teammates expect that? And uh, how did you enjoy that? Well, we really didn't know what to expect since we had no bowl experience and, and Aaron hadn't had a bowl experience either. So he, you know, called around to a lot of his colleagues to, to just learn how to, how to uh, control a bowl week. As you know, you can get pretty distracted by all the activities uh, that go on. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, a wonderful week of great food and, you know, great entertainment and, uh, you know, uh, companionship. I mean, you get, you're developing your relationships with your, with your teammates because you, even though you live on campus, you don't live in a hotel with them for a, a full week. So you get to know guys that you really didn't know uh, is close. So it, it's a, it's really a fun experience. And then having all the buzz of, of uh, you know, the, the Cotton Bowl committee and the city, uh, you know, embracing you, there were just too many you couldn't do all the things that you were invited to do. And then um, since we were on break, we stayed, I think it was about three days after the game and, and did various things. And so it was a, a really great, uh, great, great experience for us. The bowl system has certainly evolved since then. There's a lot more bowl games now than there were then. There were probably, I'm going to guess, probably uh, uh, less than 10. Um, in 1970, there's there's going to be 43 this year, uh, providing tremendous experiences for student athletes to create those memories that'll last a lifetime that that you're talking about. Um, tell us about your current role with the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you're part of the college football playoff semifinal rotation, and obviously in, in those years, your game is very meaningful. But in other years, you're you're a, a, a reward for a successful season for two teams and. And those student athletes come to Dallas and and have a, a great experience. And for for some, what we like to point out a lot a lot of times is for for most of the seniors, you know, they're not going to play in the NFL. Most of them will will not, and that'll be their last football game right. in their life. Right? It's been such a huge part of their life since they were you know you know ten years old or maybe younger, and all of a sudden this bowl game experience wherever it is in the country is the the, the last game they'll ever play. Uh, so that experience takes on even more meaning. So, you know, in your role with the Cotton Bowl, what have, what have you ob observed as these teams come and play in your game? Well, I think um, the Cotton Bowl does a, a great job. My focus and passion really is about giving that uh, the college athlete, each and every one of them, whether they're a player or a backup, um, uh, an experience that an experience of a lifetime that they'll be able to talk and when they get together with their teammates that they'll be able to uh, relive those experiences talk about those times um, that's really to me is what it's about let's have a just a great great experience like going to Disney World or something that, yeah, that we want them to have a great time and uh, we know they're about business but uh, to combine business with with pleasure and just make it a a memorable week but my focus is on the players and on their families because it is once in a lifetime for them. And uh, we want them to go away with just talking about it all the time. And it really in my life, um, the cotton bowls, those cotton bowls are still um, a topic of conversation, not only with my teammates and, uh, you know, former uh, classmates at Notre Dame, but, but also in the Dallas community as a whole, people can tell you, 
whether they went to the game or where they were, and, you know, their experiences around the game also. So it's an interesting, um, you know, it's just an interesting experience. And at that time of the year, you know, after Christmas, there's kind of a dead time. And so the country really focuses on the bowls and, and what's going on there. And it's a, you know, it's a part of their holiday experience. That's for sure. You know, at bowl season, we, we like to call that time of year a celebration of college football. Uh, the, the, the playoff is here, and uh, it's great for the game of college football. But regardless of whether it's a four-team, eight-team, 12-team playoff, there's 130 FBS institutions, and, and the, the playoff structure will never be big enough uh, to provide enough opportunities for all the student-athletes uh, that deserve that meaningful experience at the end of the year. And, and, and it's also really, really important to the communities that host the games. You know, that, t- tell us about the, the pride that you – feel as a, as a uh, living in Dallas uh, of the, the Cotton Bowl being here and, and the other three bowl games that are in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area? Well, I think it's, you know, it's an opportunity uh, to um, showcase Dallas and all it has to offer. I, you know, I ended up in Dallas. Uh, you know, my first experience in Dallas was the bowl games and, you know, here I am. Uh, I'm not going to say how many years later, but We'll say quite a few anyway. Um, so it 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 uh, uh, is an opportunity for for the uh, for the community to shine to to show what it's about. Um, and I think um, you know we we really go out of our way to try to attract people uh, to you know and, and help them find their way through Dallas throughout the week. I mean we do a we have a, a car service that we really have that that. Uh, you know, we get them to and fro from the restaurants or from entertainment uh, venues, and we try to, to steer them to the best of North Texas, really, not just Dallas, but Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, you know, the whole area. So it, it's a, it's just an opportunity to, for us to shine, uh, but we really never lose focus on the game itself. That's always there, and we're trying to make sure that they're that each of the team's preparation is the best it can be. So they can be the best that they can be on game day. Cause that's really what they're here for to, to do their best. Dan, last question for you. It's, it's pretty special to be a, a, a major college football player. A lot of kids grow up dreaming about that. Uh, most can't achieve it. Uh, it's, it's a, another level to be a Notre Dame football player. Uh, tell us about uh, your experience in Notre Dame. Do you get back to campus much? Do you get to see uh, many of their games? Um, I try to get back each year. Uh, obviously, last year I was not able to get back, but I was back uh, for the Purdue game this year. Uh, and it's uh, actually um, when I was there, I had the opportunity to go to Mass at uh, the Basilica. And it's, I was sitting there and it says, it's kind of like, mm, I'm home. You know, I had that I'm home feeling. So it, it always will be your home. Uh, uh, and it's a, a special place. Uh, and for us, you know, Notre Dame, although it plays big, it's not a real large school. So you get to know a lot of your uh, classmates um, and you also get to know um you know your professors pretty well you get to know the administration pretty well you're you know on a first name basis with father hesberg and father joyce 
um, and they know, you know, they know who you are, what you were about. And so you, it's just was a very um, special, it is a very special place. Uh, and it combines, you know, all aspects of life, spiritual life, uh, of course, the intellectual life, and then we had the the physical uh, football life. And it, it just uh, was an amazing uh, experience for, for all of us. Um, so whenever we get back together, uh, and, and there was a reunion, several reunions that weekend, whenever you get back together, it's really amazing how all the various decades really share uh, in one another's experiences. It's very similar, but we also know about, you know, what each of the teams did and you know what they did this particular week uh the uh that i was back the 66 team who played michigan state to a tie were, were back and so we got to see a lot of those guys well dan that's uh th thank you so much for joining us uh you're, you're an interesting guy you have a great take on bowl season uh past and present i really appreciate you joining us good luck to you uh, thank you much nick thank you angela we're, we will be right back after a short break. Take, stay with us. Bowl season is finally here. And with Bowl Season Radio, you'll be able to keep up with all the action. Bowl Season is teaming up with First Team Ventures to provide live national radio play-by-play -play coverage for 18 college bowl games this season. Bowl Season Radio will give college fans the opportunity to stay dialed in to college football's postseason, whether they are driving cross-country or staying close to home. Celebrate college football and listen to Bowl Season Radio on select stations, satellite radio, or off the game day live homepage at bowlseason.com. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. I'm excited to have a little more girl power on this show today. We have Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl Executive Director Missy Setters joining us. Missy, thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, Missy. Hey, Nick. How are you? Good. Good to see you. You too. It's uh, it's been an interesting bowl season so far, to say the least. We've had some great games, uh, as well as some disappointments in recent days. Uh, your game was played ten days ago, which seems like an eternity. Uh, but you could argue that this year's Independence Bowl might be the best game of bowl season thus far. UAB upset number thirteen BYU for one of the biggest wins in their program's history. Did you have a lot of UAB Blazer fans make the trek over from Birmingham? We did, and, and of course, our game day was rainy and cold. It was in the 70s and the 80s leading up to it, and then all of a sudden it rained and got really cold for us. But um, So it was a little sparse in the stands for the actual game, but we had quite a few UAB fans and quite a few BYU fans, and I think what people can expected to be a blowout ended up being a totally different game. And so you know, that's the, the joy of bowl season is you never know what to expect, and that's why it's so much fun to watch. Now, BYU is the highest-ranked team to play in an Independence Bowl in the game's 45-year history. Um, that must have been a lot of fun for your local fan base. How did they react to having BYU in the game? I think there was a lot of excitement. It was interesting because our game was so much earlier this year, so the, I think it caught up. You know, the fans, uh, it, it came up on them really quickly. And uh, what we noticed was ticket sales usually hit a surge for a few days right after announcement of the matchup. And then it tails off a little bit. For us, it, it, it was strong all the way up until game day. So there was a lot of excitement there as people sort of educated themselves out of what their norm is and, and learned a lot about BYU's program and why they were so highly ranked. So it was a lot of fun to watch the local community react to it. We all know how popular bowl season is. And, and when it's a great game, you have even you know, more interest as a result. 
the Independence Bowl drew over 3.2 million viewers on ESPN. That topped college football viewership for opening weekend of bowl season. Always a great sign, uh, something you could build on when you're talking with sponsors and everyone involved in your game. Tell, tell us how that level of exposure benefits the Shreveport community. Well, we see it as a three and a half hour window to the world. So it's an opportunity for us to showcase, showcase the community. And, uh, you know, there's nothing better than live TV for that. And uh, we had great ESPN uh, ABC people with us this year and a producer that we had worked with a couple of years ago. They actually took our trophy the Friday before and our trophy's like four feet tall. It's huge. Um, we had it designed for the bowl specifically um, by one of our partners, Lee Michaels, a few years ago. So they took the trophy and made us nervous, made them nervous. They took it all over town, uh, put it at some of the high points in the community. And uh, so we always like that. And then that B-roll that you get during a game is invaluable to every bowl uh, sponsor and bowl community. So we love seeing that and the things that they focus on that maybe we forget about and then vice versa, the things that we say, you know, here's some highlights and here's some high points in the area to go, uh, to go check out. So it's a lot of fun to watch it, but it's a window for us to be able to showcase the communities. And speaking of which independence bowl has been around for 45 years and has done so much for your community. Um, after all that time, you know, what else is there? What are your goals for the independence bowl uh, next year and beyond? Um, you know, every year you, you, what we do, and I'm sure all the bowls do, you sit down afterward, you go event by event and say what worked, what didn't, what do we need to refine, what do we need to change, and how do we make everything better. So you're looking at the opportunities to make it better for the student athletes that are here to play a game. Uh, you're looking from the fan standpoint. So the feedback that we get from the teams and the fan bases afterward is invaluable to us because you're always trying to improve upon what you've done. Uh, you know, we don't have the same events that we had 20 years ago. The student athletes have different interests. The fans have different interests. It, it's a given when you come to the state of Louisiana that food will be one of the highlights. So how can we showcase the food that we have to offer here? You know, we're about 15 minutes from the Texas state line, about 45 minutes from the Arkansas state line, but yet we're part of Louisiana. And so that culture is important too. So it's always refining the events and the fan experience and the student athlete experience. Listen, I'm going to combine two questions in one here. Uh, so many people involved in, uh, in putting on a bowl game. So many people are involved. Tell us about some of the young unsung heroes that do such a great job around your game and tell us about your title sponsor too, and how important they are to helping your game continue to grow. Okay, well, we, we're a nonprofit, so we're a foundation, the Independence Bowl Foundation. We have about 400 members, and from that foundation, we have about 60 committees, and the members comprise those committees. So, for example, this year we were early, but we're typically around Christmas or a couple of days after. You have people that are, are player, player host, uh, administrator, coach host. So they're giving up what most people consider a normal Christmas holiday to staff these hospitality rooms and to show them a good time and show them the culture of the, the uh, area. And so those people are the unsung heroes is all the volunteers who put in their time and effort to host the events, to host the hospitality rooms. Um, we have so many wonderful people, it's impossible to name the names. And um, we had some new ones this year who did a fantastic job and really stepped up. And as far as Radius Technologies, you know, they signed on with us early in 2020 in March, I believe. And uh, they've been fantastic. Uh, you know, we had a we had a really rough selection Sunday last year. It was difficult. And then 
So there's a lot of empathy on what some of the bowls are experiencing right now as far as the cancellations at the last minute. That's a very difficult situation to have to work through. And so Radiant stuck with us last year and, uh, and they added on a year to the sponsorship agreement. So we have them through 2025. They've been fantastic in every way. They had a few hundred of their employees come in for the game this year. They had a big tailgate party on game day and they're just soaking up the entire experience. And, uh, you know, what they do and the visibility that we can offer them, the par- it's a true partnership. And we really feel like we've got great partners in them. And, and we love having them here. They have local ties to the community, so that's important, but also a national presence in, uh, in the sphere of what they do. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. Missy, thanks so much for being on the show. And congratulations again on, on hosting such a great game this year. And Happy New Year. Thanks. Same to you, Nick. And thank all of you for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you could follow all the podcast and Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.